On this episode, we discuss Ishtar. The worst movie ever made. So says everyone circa 1988. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Yep, I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen. And Dan, this is a pretty special Flophouse, right? Uh, yep, we're all nude. Uh, <laughs> we learned a lot. And now, listeners, I know you assume that we're nude most episodes, but this is really the first time that we've done it, and I think We're recording on, like, the hottest day of the year. Yeah, it we is. We figured if we, like, stripped all our clothes off, mm-hmm. we'd be, like, in a sweat lodge and we could see visions. Uh, mm-hmm. But the only visions I'm seeing... Are right. of wieners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rivulets of sweat pooling around my uh, my distended ball sack. <laughs> well, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's the show. That's, that's the show. That's it. Uh, oh, boy. Sorry. <laughs> we had, so hot. We officially jumped, very hot we jumped my... the sack, as the kids like to say. <laughs> it is very hot in Dan's apartment, and I don't mean hot like the hottest club in town. Yeah. I mean hot like... Uh, like in Cleveland. Yeah, how mm-hmm. how hot it gets in Cleveland. Old ladies, you know? So was, is that a hot flashes like menopause think, thing? I think, I think you're so. being unfair to say old ladies. <laughs> uh, Betty White? Well, I guess. I guess the other women are in it are not old. Yeah. What do you got there? You got a, is it Wendy Malick in that? Yeah, Wendy yeah. Malick, Jane Leaves. Okay. And another woman, I think. And Betty White. All right. There's comedy all-stars. Mm-hmm. I think originally it was going to be called Golden Girls 21st Century, <laughs> but they weren't old enough yet. Mm-hmm. Was that was that like when they did the Marvel 2099 exactly. series and Ghost Rider looked crazy? Yeah, he was like a robot. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's stupid. And Doctor Doom 29 was 2099 was well, Doctor Doom 29 was just a cheap Doctor Doom, <laughs> <laughs> just twenty nine dollars, twenty nine ninety nine for a Doctor Doom. That's a good price for a Doctor Doom. Mm-hmm. Now Dan, you can dictate your own country. What or a letter? Yeah. Dan, why is it really a special episode? Aside from the fact that, one, we're not wearing clothes, Mm -hmm. because, two, it is so incredibly moist and hot that it feels like we're in a swamp somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's two reasons why this is a special episode. One sad, one happy. Okay. Which one should I go with first? Uh, Mm. I guess the sad. All right, this is the last episode that, last regular episode. I'm sure that... It'll happen again. It'll happen again. It'll happen again. Just not for a while. This is the the last episode uh, that we are recording with Elliot in my apartment before before he moves to L.A. Yeah. Before he dies. What? (laughs) Dan, this is how my doctor wanted to tell me? (laughs) Yeah. He called me and he said, do it gracefully. And I was like, I will not. (laughs) (laughs) Not a capability I have, sir. Thank you and goodbye. It's like the only thing that would have been worse is if you'd made me read it off a note. <laughs> <laughs> I did it in body paint on my, and I took that when I took my shirt off for this new all nude episode. That's how I decided to get this message across. Yeah, you're so sweaty that it's, the yeah, letters it's all, all melted. Yeah, like a Rorschach drawing. Yeah, like, <laughs> I thought it said Elliot is dur is during. <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> Dying. I see. That's what it means now. 
Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, this will be this. It's just about ten days before my move, roughly. Oh man, are you nervous? Really? I'm it's a that nervous. close? Yeah, yeah. It's the, a week from. Uh, oh, you, you feel, know what? Maybe it's more like twelve days. Do you feel that like little tug in in your in your like in your butt where you're nervous that <laughs> you're not going to get everything done in time? Not <laughs> you really. You feel that little tug in your butt, <laughs> yeah, dude? I don't. Uh, you, mean a, you mean a tug butt? The little bug, butt that's, tug. That's the Why little butt that helps the like big butt. Crazy for saying that. It's a normal thing. I don't usually feel a tug in my butt. When you get nervous, that you're going to get left behind or something. Uh, well, I'm always nervous. I'm going to get left behind because I don't believe that Jesus was a holy being. That makes you nervous. I mean, because there's always a little bit of me that, like, what if I'm wrong and I'm left in a world just full of empty clothes? Uh huh. Then you steal those clothes. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> true. Clothes. Never have to buy clothes again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not. Ner- I'm nervous. I'm not. Ner- I'm stressed out about getting things done for the day when the movers are coming. But yeah. other than that, I'm not nervous about it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're actually releasing this episode not to you know, pull the curtain back too far, but we're releasing this episode a little later than we record it. So it can coincide with man, our, our fucking references are going to be dated. Oh man. Well, uh, Hey, mm. OJ Simpson got, just got paroled today. That's still current, right? Mm. Elliot, I hate to break it to you. He's already gone back to jail. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> How about that crazy New York times interview with the president? I mean, that'll, another one of those will have happened yeah. probably. Right. But Dan, uh, what what is so? Why are we delaying it? We're is delaying it, just it a little to, bit. Just to, are we thinking of baseball to make the pleasure last longer? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, uh, we're going to make this a little special for our tenth anniversary. That's right. The flop house is ten years old. That's right. Happy flop day to you, Dan. Happy, happy flop, flop day to you, Stuart. Happy, happy flop day, dear everybody, flophouse. except me because I wasn't here the first few episodes. Happy birthday day to flop you. Yeah, you didn't come in until like five episodes in. What were you doing, man? Yeah, where were you? I th- yeah. uh, we I need think to I talk was, about your performance. I think I was still overseas. Oh, yeah, fighting vampires. <laughs> yep, <laughs> with my buddy Van Helsing. Oh, okay. And his buddy Van Wilder. <laughs> oh, and their dad, Van Morrison. <laughs> Listening to their favorite band, Van Halen. In what else? Their favorite type of vehicle, a VW Bug. <laughs> uh, what kind of shoes were they wearing? Uh... Vance. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and you know what kind I know of, you were going to say airwalk for a second. <laughs> yeah. And you know what kind of rules they were paying attention to? What? Van Der Pump rules. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You got to abide by those even when you're in international waters. Mm-hmm, exactly. They were spray painting stuff because they're vandals? Mm-hmm. I'll allow it. Okay, I'll allow it. And their favorite Daily Show correspondent was Van DeGeneres. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, the flop house is old now. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty young a second ago. <laughs> <laughs> like Time when he goes by pretty fast, dude. When you have a when you have a birthday and everyone goes, you how you feel older, and it's like no, because I've aged gradually over the course of the year. Yeah, but uh, Lincoln, you'll miss it, you know. So when you guys started this podcast, let me take the the place of the audience here for a okay. minute. When you got, and we'll get to the movie in a little bit. When you guys started, yeah, this, right. when you guys started this podcast, did you expect to be doing it a decade later? Nope. You know, I to give people an understanding this this podcast predates the Obama administration. <laughs> when Dan suggested we do this podcast, and then we, and I'm like, yeah, okay, uh, what's a podcast? And then we uh, did it in my bedroom. The podcast. Whoa, that's how that's how he convinced you. <laughs> oh man, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I the pros, prospect that anyone would listen to is crazy to me. Um, but then, you know, Stuart from back then was a little different. A little bit more of a jerky rascal. Mm-hmm. He was a real jerky boy. <laughs> <laughs> if he liked a chicken, it was jerk chicken. Yep. If if you had a, a crank, you would yank on it. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta yank them cranks. Hey, 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 keep your legs in the car or he's going to pull them. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a... What about you, Dan? When you uh, envisioned doing a podcast for some crazy reason, uh, did you expect... One crazy summer. It? Yep, that's the reference I was expecting you to go with. Um. So I'm going to take that as a no. You didn't expect it to go this long. No, not this long. I thought uh, I thought maybe this was a route to popularity because this was a <laughs> no. I honestly did. I I had enough foresight to think like, okay, what is not an oversaturated type of media right now? Podcasts. That's yeah. like totally new, and you can do it from your apartment. Mm-hmm. So I was like, maybe this is a uh, maybe this is the way that I'll get some sort There's of like- semblance of. Recognition in this cold, cruel world. Said, like said eventual right Emmy there. winner, Dan McCoy. <laughs> At the time, there were two podcasts. It was just this uh, and, a, and a podcast called, Hey, is my mic on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And another podcast called, I'm trying to record a voicemail message. Did I hit the wrong button? Yep. Yeah. And into that and crowded to, market. And you have to hit the wrong button a bunch of times because you got to, uh, you know, put on lips. And even in that market, we were number three. <laughs> yep. Uh, but now the podcast market is very crowded and very cluttered. And Dan and Stuart, you guys are like pioneers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Early adopters. Mm-hmm. I mean, Allie, you didn't join up that much later. No, it was. <laughs> yeah, we adopted you. <laughs> yeah, because he found me on your doorstep wrapped up in a little bundle. Yeah. With a wrapped note up in a bundle of Ziggy comics. <laughs> with a note that said, please take care of my baby. I am leaving him because he's irritating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I joined you guys not too long after, but I still I can't Episode take credit eight. for creating the show or anything. So what's the as much as you of- want? Might want to try. Yep. Oh, I keep to cl- every. I say uh, in my bio, it always says parentheses creator the flop house, <laughs> and then Dan and Stewart sue me, and I've got to take it out. Mm-hmm. And once Tyler the creator sued me. Yeah, that was weird. I mean, he just claims to create everything. Which would make him God. <laughs> yep, I think that's implied. Oh, okay. Part of the name. Um. So what do we what do we do on this show? Oh yeah, what have we been doing for Other 10 than years? Clapping ourselves on the back for for n- not, dying, not dying, yeah, for persisting. Yeah, because you know what, Dan, Mitch McConnell tried to shut us down, and yet we persisted. Yeah, it took us like five years to come up with an actual schedule, too. That's true. That's it was, a, was great. It used to be <laughs> like a week. Dan would text me in LA and be like, "Oh, it's t- we should record." It's been a while since we recorded. Are you guys free tomorrow? It took yeah, it took a long time for we were like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute." We can, if we if we plan it ahead of time, we can make sure our schedules are free. <laughs> yeah, we can look ahead to time. Something that, like, I assume cavemen discovered. <laughs> like, yep. uh, this afternoon, let's let's go out and hunt bison. Yeah, because I think cavemen had the concept of noon down. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Cavemen were like, hey, when we're done with brunch, because <laughs> it's Sunday, why don't we go hunt some bison? Yeah. Or mammoths or manics, as they would be called in 10,000 BC. Yeah. 10,000, not the number of years we've done this show. That's 1,000 times the number. But, Dan... For the 10th anniversary, we decided to do a special movie. Not your regular run-of-the-mill, big-budget, right. recent Hollywood flopbuster. Now, there are a lot of things that were discussed. Or, wait, schlockbuster. Uh-huh. 
or cock slobbler. <laughs> right. Mm. Uh, we talked about a lot of things. A lot of ideas were tossed around. We talked. We talked about doing stealth again, mm-hmm. which was our very first movie. Well, definitely. And Elliot the didn't. Feedback from the listeners pointed that we should watch a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the feedback was, from the listeners was all over the place. A poll to be was, honest, disappointed me. A poll was taken, and it was a very extensive poll. Uh, and I and I thank the people who took the poll. It was not us. There were people who on our on the Facebook group who did it. Uh, and if I remembered their names, I'd thank them by name. And uh, they would ask, "Should the Flophouse do this? Should they do this? Should they do this?" And the overwhelming answer to almost everyone was, "No, they shouldn't do that." Mm-hmm. So it was very difficult to get an answer. So we decided, yeah. ten years, let's look back into history and see a movie that holds a special place in the popular consciousness of bad movies. A movie that, at this point. It's hard. It might be hard for the young people of today to realize that there was a time when this movie was literally the only word you had to say for the concept "bad movie." Yeah, there was a time when this movie was considered the nadir. I just want to say that the, uh, that the uh, survey was compiled by Megan Tripp. Thank yeah, you very much. Thank you for putting all that work in that we didn't ultimately use. Unfortunately, no, we kind of used. I mean, we had some ideas that that the poll steered us away from. Yeah, that's true. But uh, so, Dan, what movie did we decide was so epic, such a monument in the world of bad movies that we had to watch it for the 10th anniversary? And I say this knowing we announced it at the beginning of the movie, and it's also in the directory of episodes, so they know what movie it is. We're assuming Dan might switch it up and write, like, 10th anniversary floptacular. Yeah, yeah, or, like, secret special movie thing. But we did announce it at the beginning. Dan, what was that Movie survey says the garage pail, garbage pail kids. <laughs> I even, I fucked up oh, even the joke I was going for. No, I'm interested in the garage pail kids. Garage so it is a pail full of garages, yeah, or it's just a, a pail someone left in a garage. Because I gotta say, yeah. every garage in America has one random old pail in it. The kids live in the pail, or do they find the pail? Is it a magic pail, or does it have like a microchip in it that the government is after? I just thought for a second that garage was the British pronunciation of garbage. <laughs> so the garage pale kids is, of course, based on that, that very popular series of trading cards, which were about kids that found uses, uses for a pail their parents left in the garage. Yeah. Uh, Let me flip through the cards here right now. Oh, uh. Ground level basketball hoop. Oh, that's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh! I like it. Cylindrical home, semi-cylindrical home for an action figure. Oh, yeah. great. Okay, here's one. Sandcastle maker. <laughs> these 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 cards have lack the irreverence of certain other cards. Bozo set. the clown super show. <laughs> ball, ca- ball catcher. Game ball catcher. <laughs> Last minute cereal bowl. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be pretty last minute. That's a huge bowl of cereal, though. I like uh, I like a lot of uh, rice checks. No, we so we did not watch the Garage Pail Kids <laughs> no. or the Garbage Pail Kids. We watched Ishtar, which uh, has the distinction of being at, uh, like post Plan Nine from Outer Space, pre the Room, the uh, yeah. go to uh, bad movie reference. It feels like so. Let me take you back to the. Late 80s, early 90s. You guys were kids during that time. So was I. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And there were there were a couple things that were just taken for granted by popular culture as a whole. Disco sucked, which 
has since rightfully been overturned. I guess the cultural Supreme Court looked back at that case and overturned the uh, the case of Disco v. Good. Yeah. And they turned out yeah. like, oh, no, there's a lot of good disco songs. And Ishtar is a piece of crap. And it was just like if you – the way that you showed someone was wrong or dumb or had bad taste in popular culture was you had them either listening to disco or dressing in disco clothes or you had them talking about Ishtar. And it was just taken for granted. Like as a kid, I never saw Ishtar. This was the first time I ever saw it. But as a kid – Somehow it filtered down to me, someone who wasn't reading the trades, that yeah. this and wasn't watching grown up movies. I remember my parents went to go see Crimes and Misdemeanors, and I thought it was about the cop's character, Misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. That I didn't know what Ishtar was, but somehow. That's fucking awesome. It would be an amazing movie, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, somehow it filtered down to me, a kid, that Ishtar was the worst movie that there ever was. I mean, and I did it, make my mom explain to me the Far Side Strip. Where the, the Hell's Video Store, Hell's Video Store, and all the videos are Ishtar, which apparently since making that, Gary Larson had not actually seen Ishtar, and since ma- making that strip, he saw it on a plane and was like, "This is pretty good," and so he wrote a retraction. Yeah, well, the thing is, I was going to say Ishtar has gone through its own reappraisal, uh, in part because people are like, Elaine May made it; she can't make anything bad. She's part of uh, Nichols and May. She made uh, The Heartbreak Kid and uh, other films of note. A New Leaf. Yeah. She's written on lots of great stuff. But yeah. she hasn't directed anything since Ishtar. Uh, and the uh, – but it's just like there's been this reappraisal. So when, when we were young, Ishtar was just taken for granted. Bad movie to the point that when Waterworld came out 10 years later, mm-hmm. they were like – Calling it fish tar. Mm-hmm. And it's like, one, wait, Waterworld's not that bad either. Wait. Is it because it's a fish lives in the water? <laughs> <laughs> you cracked that code. Did you use He's your, a uh, professor of symbiology. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you used your Turing machine to crack that one. Uh, so people are like, but now, there's every movie that's bad you find at some point a reappraisal where people are like, actually, uh, it's it's quite good. So we decided. The Star Wars prequels uh, are just misunderstood. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's All the rhyming in them. What's great about it is every shot in it repeats a shot from the original series, but with the thrills and emotion removed. Mm-hmm. So I guess what they're saying to you is, why did you enjoy the first ones? And in forcing you to reappraise the first movies and assume that the second movies are just as good or better because they're exactly the same but without the fun stuff, He's really messing with your head. And that's what Star Wars is all about, messing with your head. I love that we're like all like doing kind of like a third party, but we're still talking a little bit like George Lucas when we're doing it. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the magic of myth is that I can repeat all my old work, <laughs> but without the creative inspiration. Um, that has sounded a little more like Jim Henson, actually. Uh, so, Ishtar. Yeah. Considered Ishtar. It, it holds this monumental place in, in the American consciousness for a while at least. The room, I feel like, has, has overtaken it somewhat. Plan 9 has overtaken it. Ishtar is not what it once was in terms of people using it as a go-to reference. But then it was reappraised by people. So it's up to us, the Flophouse, mm-hmm. to settle this case once and for all in what we can only call... What? Movie court. Oh. The plaintiff. America. America, okay. The defendant. 
Ishtar, Ishtar okay. a 1987 film directed by Elaine May starring Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty. Uh-huh. America says that this movie is really bad, but some America says the movie is not that bad. Ishtar says, hey, I'm just a movie. L- movie, leave me alone. <laughs> a movie, too. It fa- Will it move me and you and you, the judges on Flophouse Movie Court? Judge Flophouse presiding. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, I want a clean fight. No punching above the belt. <laughs> no, okay, no, you're mixing court. metaphors. It's not a courtroom. Only punches below the belt, please. <laughs> this is welcome, welcome to the heavyweight crotch punching match. <laughs> Butts and crotches only. Now, is this a night court? Butts. Is this a night court? Can we do crazy uh, magic tricks and uh, and, ha- and talk about Mel Torme? Or no, is it's, a, it's a food court. Crazy <laughs> magic tricks. Yeah, he wasn't Doctor Strange <laughs> yeah. or Baron Mordo. Yeah. Yep. Uh, no, this is a food court, so we can only eat kind of crappy pizza mm-hmm. and lukewarm, greasy Chinese food. All right. Uh, so Ishtar. So Ishtar. It's a movie about two guys. One of them is named Warren Beatty. Another. And one of them is named Dustin <laughs> the Hoffman. The characters are not named that. The movie that. begins with a smash cut, guys. Does it begin with a smash cut? It no, it doesn't. Does. It our, begins with them. The two op- leads singing a song over credits. Over the opening credits. The opposite of a smash cut in that the audio is preparing us for what we're about to see. Uh, so Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty are two aspiring songwriters. Yep. They are not very good, and Warren Beatty is kind of a big, dumb lug who's very unsure of himself, and Dustin Hoffman is kind of thinks of himself as a smooth ladies' man. And I, ca- I read a number of times, the first time I saw it, about how like the two characters were playing against type, but they're not... Really, because it's not like Dustin Hoffman was known for playing dumb guys in movies, and it's not like Warren Beatty was known for playing like like idiots who think that they're genius, like think that they're I mean, they got all Dustin figured Hoffman's out. Like playing like a a dumber version of his character from Midnight Cowboy, right? Um, I get in a, in like a a more respectable one. I mean, sure. his character in Midnight Cowboy is effectively uh, like a street person. Yeah. Uh, whereas here, he's just a bad songwriter who thinks he's going to get to the top of his yeah. game. And we follow the two of them as they're trying to strike it big in New York. They're not very good singers. They want to be songwriters. Which, but it's their agent, they get a cut-rate agent, advises them that they should sing songs that people already know and put together like a stage act with pattern. Yeah. And I love, he's like, you gotta, here's what, you're missing pattern. You gotta have jokes. And it's like, was that what the big musical acts were doing in 1987? <laughs> like they had a stage act full of patter and jokes? Is that what like Van Halen was doing? Yeah. Were they I mean, known for their patter? I mean, I think they were clearly aiming for a more old-fashioned thing. Yes. And their agent was a more old-fashioned guy. But yeah. they like were looking at albums on the uh they're looking at like albums in a window. display window, and you've got like talking heads true stories on the side, and it's like David Byrne was not known for his crazy joking about patter. <laughs> no, I mean, the big suit was kind of funny. Yeah. And he'd do that whole routine. I don't think it appears in Stop Making Sense to cut it out where he'd be like, hey, guys, either either this, shoots, this suit's growing or I'm shrinking. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, I hope there's no SJWs out there. This is not a safe space. <laughs> Wait, what? Weird. Yeah, he's a real bad boy when he's on stage. <laughs> bad boy David Byrne. <laughs> Um, uh, so the uh, there's a lot of but we skipped over the just the fact that there's just a lot of uh, montages of them coming up with song lyrics. And I thought you were saying we it, forgot to talk about the most important thing, Dan, which is we see a shot of 
old timey big CD long boxes in a display window, <laughs> and like my eyes almost popped out of my head. <laughs> so much wasted packaging. Yeah, but go on, Dan. No, no, there's just like a lot of montages of them uh, coming up with song lyrics and, and wearing, singing terrible songs. And wearing crazy shirts yeah. while this is going on. They're always wearing like kimonos or weird like... Uh, Matching headbands. Yeah, it's like they're... It feels like two old guys who who are like trying to make fun of how people how cool people dress in the 80s, but they don't really know how cool people dress in the 80s. Like... It's it's this very weird, like, kind of out-of-touch parody of what you imagine, like, Michael J. Fox would be wearing in a movie from that time. Uh, yeah. But they look amazing. Yeah, and how how old are they supposed to be? Because they look really old. They look, I think, older than they actually are. Like, they're, they're both, I think they were both in their 40s when they made this movie. Okay. And the characters, I'm not sure, because it's mentioned at one point, their agent says, you're not young. And so it's like... I think they are supposed to be like a little too old to be holding onto this dream, but they seem much too old. So is it like when you when you dress like an old guy in young people's clothes, like I don't know, like a tight t shirt and a beanie with a propeller on it? It just makes that dude way older. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, to the point where at point there were times when it was like, is the dancing Six Flags guy the star of this movie? Because they now, look very old. At what point in history did kids actually wear beanies with propellers on them? That's what I want to know. Like that is a universal signifier for small child. Maybe when I the helicopter was first invented. Yeah. <laughs> it's like here, here to commemorate this uh, engineering marvel. Here, have this uh, hat. I mean, did they ever really eat giant lollies, too? That's true. I mean, go to Six Flags, dude. I would, except that scary old dancing <laughs> no, man. No, go to there. The, now. We're telling you to go to <laughs> Six okay, Flags. Okay, I mean, probably, it's probably closed. It's the middle of the night. But God damn it, Elliot. do late night rides anymore? I mean, I don't know. I guess I'll have to find out and go now. It sounds so dangerous. Why would you go? Oh, they turn all the lights off. And uh-huh. they just let the roller coasters run on their own, and you have to leap onto them and ride them and then leap off again. And mm-hmm. it's called uh, Suicide Flags Great Adventure. Perfect. And yeah. that's tied in with DC's Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. Marketing, yeah. Yeah, because Warner Brothers has a deal with Six Flags. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Dan, that's why they have Batman the Ride, Prez the Ride, Brother Power the Geek the Ride. <laughs> Prez the Ride. <laughs> that's why they have, they have D- <laughs> Ragman the, the Ride. Mm-hmm. Doom Patrol the Ride. It's called Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol the Ride, even though he didn't even create Doom Patrol. Captain Carrot the Ride. And the Amazing Zoo Crew, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Ride. It's called Captain Carrot the Ride and the Amazing Zoo Crew the Ride. It's just one ride, but they put ride in there twice. <laughs> Captain Carrot's a, a rabbit, right? Mm-hmm. You better believe it. You, is there ever a crossover with him and Flaming Carrot? Um, I don't think so, don't but it'd be pretty, be pretty amazing. <laughs> Go on, Dan. Oh, so okay, so I'll go along. Yeah. So here's the point I want to make on this movie. So the first like half hour of this movie, they are in New York and they're struggling songwriters and they can't they can't get it going. And there's a lot of montages, like you said, of them trying and failing and singing yeah. songs that feel like they're kind of semi improvised. And watching this movie in those sequences, it was like, oh, like I'm looking at the future of film comedy twenty years early, yeah. but they don't know it. Like Two, like movies about two dumb idiot men who are deliberately really stupid and bad at what they're doing. And the joke is that they have total confidence, but they're very bad at it. Yeah. And like that they're just like st- looking at the camera, 
because they're looking at the audience just singing deliberately yeah. bad songs in a bad way. Like I'm watching Will Ferrell's career, yeah. and they're providing ten options for the movie, and the movie decides to air all ten of yeah, them just to cut than... quickly between all different options instead of picking the best one. Like yeah, like that is the most forward looking piece of 80s comedy yeah, I can seeing, imagine. You're seeing Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, and I mean Warren Beatty. Kind of a John C. Riley type. In this movie, yeah. Two classically handsome muscle boys. Uh, okay. <laughs> Both with clown training. Yep. But uh, and but like this, the kind of like Will Ferrell or like Kristen Wiig style, I feel like you're you're seeing it aborning here. Mm-hmm. And if the movie had continued in that fashion, it might have been kind of like an interesting experimental misfire for me. The jokes are not quite there. It would be like, oh, this is this kind of fetal development of a new kind of film comedy. That like it's not improv the way Robert Altman would have people improv in a in a movie, and it's not built of scenes. It's built of like individual jokes that we cut between really quickly to give get like so it's like bam bam like a menu of jokes rather than yeah. a scene. Uh, and, and there's a lot of I feel part of part of those performances. One of the things that that doesn't work for me is how much time it lingers on audience reactions and the audience reactions being. Basically just bored. Yeah, or like so every now and then there's someone in the background who looks shocked, and you're like, they're not so bad that you should be shocked. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, come it's on. that one joke from the producers done over and over again when they cut from springtime for Hitler from the first time, and the whole audience has the exact same shocked expression on their face. And that works because it's like it's a very quick joke. And you as know? you've also seen an entire musical number about Hitler up, yeah. to, that, up to that point. So like their shock is earned. Yeah. And so like you're like there is also and it's that musical number is not just bad like it's not just like a these are just like bad songs. That musical number is so tastelessly you know, like uh mm-hmm. like perverse where the women the woman women with like Nazi eagles over their breasts and things yeah. like that shock is earned. Whereas this is just like if you go to it like they're at an open mic song thing like the audience should not be shocked by a bad song being put up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what do they expect? Like if they went, if it was like Paul McCartney one night only, and Paul McCartney came out and performed like those guys, I could understand a stadium of shock <laughs> because Paul McCartney is one of the greatest live performers there is. Or whoever is impersonating Paul McCartney now that he died years ago. Yeah, yeah, in that car accident. Yeah, as the song says, I saw Paul McCartney a few years ago, mm-hmm. and he was, I think, already in his seventies. And I was getting tired watching his show. And like two hours in, he goes off stage. And I was like, oh, yeah, he must be exhausted. And then suddenly he runs on stage waving an enormous American flag, just running back and forth waving it. And the audience is cheering. And I was like, how does this guy have the energy to do that? <laughs> <laughs> like what battery did they hook him up to when he walked off stage that he can do that now? Yeah. Uh, but so – but so this – so <laughs> I'm just imagine, like you walk off stage and he has like like 12 like – like fourteen-year-old kids that he's just transfusing blood from, <laughs> sure. or it's like it's just it's like the end of the Prestige that he <laughs> he, crum- uh, he crumples and dies, and then they break and open another canister, and another McCartney comes out. Spoiler for the Prestige. Yeah, uh, Paul McCartney's great in it. Oh yeah, yeah. He's not even the rock star that's in it. Uh, the so so for those scenes, this movie is pointing a direction for comedy that it's not my favorite type of comedy, but it's like this movie's ahead of its time. And then it takes. And a, I don't. And I. I mean, I like what it's. I like that it's trying to do something. But yeah. for some reason, it it like it feels so like it, it doesn't work for me. And I think like I feel like the characters aren't really established. I don't know if it's because 
I do like I have trouble buying Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty as a couple of like bumbling doofuses. And I don't know if it's because I've seen them in so many other movies. I mean, it might be. But like you could like character choices are but you for could, the most part pretty soft. You've seen Dustin Hoffman in lots of movies, but you could buy him as an autistic person in Rain Man. Yeah. Like this they're just they don't know how to play these characters. They're yeah. not they're either they're at alternating moments they're either not committing enough or they're playing the characters too serious and not funny. Warren Beatty's accent gets significantly more like country. Yeah, like corn poem throughout. <laughs> also this movie uh commits the crime of bringing in of Carol murder. <laughs> bringing I'm in, sorry, that was Twilight Zone the movie. Yes. Bringing in Carol Kane for basically a scene. Oh uh, yeah, but you know what other movie does that? Annie Hall. Yeah. And that's an amazing movie. That's true. But I guess, and, what, and the woman who played, uh, uh, I had to look her up. But the woman who played uh, uh, Warren Beatty's ex-wife or eventual ex-wife in this movie uh, has been in a bunch of stuff too. And like, she was uh, Jesse Pinkman's mom in Breaking Bad. Oh, I didn't realize that. And a bunch of other stuff. Dan, I apologize. Carol Kane is in two scenes in Annie Hall. There's the yeah. scene where he picks her up and the scene where they break up because okay. he's obsessed with the JFK assassin. I'm just saying that Carol Kane is an amazing comic actress. And oh, yeah. they, like, give her nothing to do in this movie whatsoever. I mean, Charles Grodin's in this movie. It's been a big part, and they barely give him anything to do. imagine being Carol Kane and having to watch Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty fumble through comic shit and be like, they're the fucking stars of this movie? Yeah. And she's like, I was in Hester Street. <laughs> Hester Street, for God's sakes. He's really good in that. Um, so, yeah, Carol Kane, they could have used more. Frankly, like... So the, as uh, I'll skip forward a little bit. Yeah, so, please. So the movie takes a big turn and becomes an '80s action comedy, a, a par non excellence. Where, uh, but I will say where that they get mixed up with Isabella Johnny, who I'm a huge fan of. But if Carol Kane had played the Isabella Johnny part, it would have been so funny. Mm-hmm. Neither of them is Arab, so the fact that they're that it's supposed to be, I guess, a Middle Eastern character wouldn't matter either way. Can you imagine if Carol Kane was the like? Well, we'll talk about that part anyway. So they get their agent books them. He gives them a choice. They can either play Honduras or they can play Morocco. They decide they'd rather go play Morocco. Uh, On the way, they have to pass through the fictional dictatorship of Ishtar, which is on the verge of a civil war as its imperious dictator is uh, is being challenged by a rebel, you know, leftist liberation army. Mm -hmm. Uh, While in the airport in Ishtar awaiting their, it's not a, is it a connecting flight? Like, they're looking for somebody. I don't know. They have to fly out of the Canary Islands for some reason. How they get to the Canary Islands is never explained. Uh, I assume an airplane from New York. Yeah. Uh, while they're they, while Warren Beatty goes off to find some help, and Dustin Hoffman is accosted by what he thinks is a boy uh, in native garb. And now this movie, this these airport scenes, I think they're supposed to look really chaotic and exotic, but they just look like an airport. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing particular. Like, Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty look so flustered. You've been in New York too long, buddy. <laughs> what? You're too used to the crowds and the hustle and bustle of the city. I, but these guys are from New York too. Oh, yeah. But it's like they're supposed to be there like super, uh, I don't know what to do. But it's just an airport. But anyway, he's accosted by what he thinks is a boy until she lifts up her shirt and shows him a naked boob, which. Wait, did that happen? Yeah, you missed yeah, that part? Dude. Oh, Jesus. It's like a half- uh, she's all that. No, she's all that. Dude, sounds so sad. I uh, have just one of the guys. I, Can I get you another drink? I feel like I missed <laughs> the only thing that would have made this movie worthwhile for you. Uh, yeah, and you did miss it. And anyway, and he's immediately like, "Go, go home." Mm-hmm. She says, 
Oh, I've, I'm it's sorry. Like wraparound did, shades almost flew off his yeah. head. Oh, I skipped the scene. Did his tongue roll head. out like a uh, big, big bad wolf? Yeah, yeah. His And his eyes turn into steam whistles like at a factory. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I apologize. And he, and he turned into a rocket and blasted off. Before this, there's a scene I skipped where some arc. This is where you know an 80s movie comedy is going wrong. You cut to a scene in the desert where archaeologists are discovering an ancient artifact. Not a good idea because we're being introduced to the thriller plot aspect. And for some reason, it seems like 85% of comedies from the 80s felt they needed to have an action chase plot when you really just want to see people doing funny stuff and being funny. Yeah. Like, you know how many times this worked well? How many times do you think, Dan? Uh, Ghostbusters? I'm thinking specifically with like an exotic travel plot where there's like a MacGuffin people are chasing. Oh, Okay. Uh, Here's a hint. It's one of your favorite movies. North by Northwest. I'm talking about it's the 80s. Exact, okay. 1980s. Uh, exotic MacGuffin, and it's funny. In an exotic foreign country. Uh huh. It's a comedy. Romancing the Stone. Yes, Romancing the Stone. Okay, took you a few choices. <laughs> took you a few guesses, but you got to a movie that a few days ago you told me is one of your favorite movies. <laughs> I mean, it's. It's a great movie, Elliot. It's really good. But for every Romancing the Stone, which is there's just one, mm-hmm. there are like a thousand. <laughs> it's the same way that like whenever in, on, in yeah, TV. Yeah, somebody tries to sell you a second Romancing the Stone. It's called Jewel of the Nile. Don't buy it. <laughs> 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 uh, it's just like how in the 80s they would do these TV movies or special episodes where sitcoms would go to other countries. Yeah. And they'd always get mixed up with either spies or drugs and it'd be like, why are the perfect strangers getting mixed up with, with drugs? Yeah. Why are the family ties is getting mixed up with spies? There's no, or like diamond smugglers. There's no reason for this. Yeah. For some reason, 80s comedies always felt like they had to, and not always, there are movies like Moonstruck that don't do this, but like they often felt like they had to go to a foreign country and get involved in political or criminal intrigue. Or like If Looks Good Kill, where a high school student gets mistaken for a secret agent, probably because he looks like he's like 45. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, the, uh, this guy, find, this archaeologist finds an artifact that appears to be a, a, an ancient map that explains a prophecy that two messengers from God will come along and help overthrow uh, an, uh, an evil tyrant. Uh, he's attacked, and they try to steal the map from him. He's already given it to his sister, Isabella Johnny, who, back to where we were, accosts Dustin Hoffman in the airport and says, give me your passport, and let's switch bags. And so you take this thing that I have. They're after me. And... He agrees to do it pretty easily, I assume because he saw her boob. Yeah. And that's like just hypnotized him completely. Mm-hmm. Much the same and if it like the same way that if she'd given him a blowjob, his eyes would have crossed. Like it's the eighties, boobs are pretty new. He's like, <laughs> What? I still have to process what I just saw. Well, they used to be pointy, Elliot. That's the thing. In the fifties. In the fifties. Yeah. The the new model came out and they were making men go crazy. We got these all over new the thing place. now, round soft boobs. <laughs> yeah. Replacing the old pointy boobs. <laughs> yeah. Those the old ones used to take your eye out. And I think we might be getting to the end of the boob talk quotient for this <laughs> okay. episode. Okay. Unless, Stuart, you, you have something to say about it. Second skip button. <laughs> uh, no, it is. It's one of those things. It's like a lot of scenes in this movie where, like, motivations are kind of unclear and you don't quite know why people are doing what they're doing, which is, I'm just saying the exact same thing over again. But no, but that's true. There's a lot of people doing things. There were a lot of times in the movie when we were like, wait, why are they doing that? I don't that? know if, like, that's an editing or a performance or a directing or a script problem. I don't know enough about showbiz. I mean, why? Who? Why do we have to pass blame? Let's let's spread it around. But it's uh, 
whatever, for whatever reason, Dustin Hoffman agrees. He gives her his passport and his bag. He finds out he thinks he can just get a new passport right away at the U.S. Embassy, and they're like, "Oh no, we're on the verge of a civil war, and you don't, we don't have the paperwork." And he gets mad. He says, "Warren Beatty, we shouldn't miss our performance date in Morocco. You go ahead of me. I'll wait here and I'll get my, I'll get my uh, passport." Warren Beatty goes ahead. Dustin Hoffman runs into another American at the hotel. It's Charles Grodin, who turns out to be oh, wow. a CIA officer. The great Muppet Capers, Charles Grodin? You got it. Clifford's Charles Grodin. <laughs> That's right. The Charles Grodin shows. Beethoven's Charles, Charles Grodin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those episodes of Louis, Charles Grodin. Yeah. Charles, I, we, we should make it clear. We love Charles Grodin. Yeah, he's great. We're not, like, we're not denigrating him. His by, performance in The Lonely Guy, I think, is so funny. He's such a funny guy. Uh, but anyway, there's like Dave, Dave is an okay comedy. Dave but, is a very good comedy. But every is that the one where every Dave scene Charles Grodin in. No, that's, that's Meet Dave. People are inside. No, no, that's Meet Dave. Dave. No, this is Dave with Kevin it's Klein. He's made up. It's, <laughs> it's not Meet. It's not Meet Dave. Every, I knew that you were going to go there. Technically, every Dave is a Meet Dave. <laughs> Until you meet a robot named Dave, every Dave is a Meet sure. Dave. They're all made of meat. <laughs> That's if someone if an alien it sounds like an inspirational poster. Every Dave is a meat Dave, <laughs> and there's one that just shows it shows a pig winking and it says they're all made of meat. <laughs> I'm just saying if I meet if I meet a Dave, I want them to clarify they're a meat Dave when I meet him, so I don't think they're a robot Dave. Yeah, because the, ironically, Meat Dave from the movie Meat Dave was a robot Dave. <laughs> what? Full of little Meat Daves. Oh, man, what am I going to do? They should have called it Robot Dave full of Meat Daves. <laughs> no, they should have said Meat Dave, comma, a Robot Dave full of Meat Daves. The movie starring Eddie Murphy. Thank you for telling me it's a movie. <laughs> And not just a poster. And that, you're not just scripted to meet a guy. You're like, I'm meeting a new person. Should I get dressed up nice? Should I try and climb through this uh, picture on the wall? Nope. Do I have anything in my teeth? Uh, it's not a mirror. That's not you. You're not that character. I'm black with a mustache. No, that's a photograph of Eddie Murphy. Uh, so they get. So he gets. He gets hired by Charles Grodin, a CIA agent, to be like a CIA spy, for, uh, because it means he'll have enough money to buy a car to get to Morocco. He does. Warren Beatty performs one night, is performing his act by himself. He says, I'm going to perform some Simon and Garfunkel songs. Everybody requests songs that are not Simon and Garfunkel songs. He refuses to play them until Dustin Hoffman appears and they sing That's Amore, which the crowd requested. Saves the day. That fucking banger. Because it's like, play the fucking hits, dude. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to hear your wussy indie Simon and Garfunkel nonsense. Or Ishtar. They're you want to hear fucking That Samore? You want to hear the hits, the, the hit. number one hits like That Samore. <laughs> and uh, Italian song, That Samore. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's an old Italian song. <laughs> That's why one word in it is Italian, and it's all about explaining what that word means. I'm just saying, <laughs> in Ishtar, it's not necessarily the, yeah, anyway. You could say it's an American song, because mm-hmm. that would be accurate. Mm-hmm. All right. Funiculi so, Funicula, that's an Italian song, that dude. Is a, it is. It's about a funicular. It is. It was about a funicular. No, I know. Yeah. It's about a thing that goes up a mountain. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's, a, well, it's a, about, a, technically, it's about an Englishman that goes up a hill and comes down a mountain. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, what a movie that was. Anyway, so <laughs> we should do that one sometime. I've never seen it and always been intrigued by the title. Because <laughs> it's like, how to turn into a mountain while he was up there. Uh, so anyway... They get mixed up in this thing. 
in the middle of the night, Dustin Hoff- they are a huge hit, and Dustin Hoffman's like, I gotta ride this high. Warren yeah, Beatty goes to bed. Chase the dragon. Yeah. Warren Beatty, which would be a much better movie if they were actually chasing a dragon. I imagine it's like Kangaroo Jack, but it's with a dragon, so it's called Dragon Jack. Yep. Uh, Warren Beatty is attacked in his hotel room mm-hmm. by, oh no, or Isabella Johnny. She's been creeping in. She wants to switch the bags back. He, hilarious bit, again, thinks that she's a boy who is just trying to rob them until she kisses him. And he's like got a lot of emotions that he's not sure of. Uh, one thing leads to another. And let's just cut, cut, long story short, Warren Beatty gets recruited by the rebels. Well, Dustin Hoffman is working with the CIA, which is on the side of the d- dictator. This should, t- should lead to like hilarious misunderstandings. What it leads to almost immediately is a shootout at a market square that leads with the that ends up with the two of them on the run with a, a camel in the bunch desert. Of people dead. It's also yeah, like, a lot of people die in the shootout. And the like, most Matt Frewer's there. I love that guy. Yeah, Matt Frewer's a CIA in, agent in the scene. Yeah, put him in anything. I'll watch it. Even the Generation X TV pilot. Yeah, I'll watch it. Okay, don't. He's I in it. But he was also in Spies Like Us. This is one of the most. <laughs> it was called was, The Age of Frewer. Yeah. This is one of the most incompetently filmed action sequences. I've seen, I think. Like, there's no tension. No. There's there's no there's real the sense where the of... the mic falls into the frame? No, that's a later scene. Yeah. No, but it's like, you know how... This feels... I mean, I would say that it feels like it was shot in a hallway, the way mm-hmm. that it's put together, except that Old Boy has an action scene shot in a hallway, and it's amazing. <clears throat> yeah. So that's not an insult to say an action scene was shot in a hallway, but it's really ineptly strung together. And, like, that's fine. Elaine May is, in a, is a huge dramatic and comic talent, she doesn't need to be a great action director. Yeah. But then maybe don't make a movie with a bunch of action scenes in it. Yeah. If that's not your Will Forte. Yeah, maybe stick to the goofy guys singing in New York. Yeah, yeah. because those scenes were super great. I mean, they were better <laughs> than the rest of the movie. They were better. I think if they had just been them as songsters in, in New York or they try to go to Hollywood to make it big, this would not have been as big a flop. It certainly wouldn't yeah. have. One of the things that people hated about the movie was that it cost a lot. Because critics like to get hung up on how much a movie costs, as if that's the art. If you as if that more, money was going to be going to feeding the uh, the hungry or making a good wasn't. movie. It's like yeah. they, I think we've shattered the idea that an expensive movie is a prestige or a good movie by the fact that the most expensive movies are made now and they're almost all crappy. But at the time, it was like if a movie was really expensive, you expensive, you expected to get a lot out of it. Yeah, and so then the movie would have been a lot less expensive if they weren't in the desert doing action scenes. But Okay, it's this inept shootout. They escape. They get told some, they got to meet up with somebody. Dustin Hoffman is told, hey, you got to get this guy out in the desert and we'll pick you up in a helicopter. Uh-huh. Warren Beatty's told, you got to get a camel from somebody. It's part of a code or something like that. Yeah. They end up with a blind camel stumbling around in the desert, left for dead by everybody. Yeah. And they've still got this magic map, just like Magic Map XL. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sure, enjoy that. It's not one. even the XXL. It's, yeah, it's, it's the, the middle one. one yeah. yeah, it's the Empire Strikes Back of the Magic Mike series. Oh wow, it's got a dark ending. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this movie did kind of have a dark ending. It, yeah, it, it ends with Magic Mike. It ends, <laughs> it ends with Magic Mike getting his penis uh, sliced off, and he has to get a robotic penis. Oh, okay. That didn't go the way I thought it was yeah. going to. I thought it was more of an audition type thing. I mean, I think I think that's okay because I think for Mike, it's you know that. That he's giving pleasure to others. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't need to feel it himself. And his new robot penis telescopes. Yeah. Like it telescopes back into his body when he's not using it, like Wolverine's claws kind of. Which I know, Wolverine's claws don't telescope, but you get what I'm saying. 
But what if they did? Do you think there was ever a character design? Do you think like when they tried to make the X-Men movies, there are some character designers like, they're just knives? That's stupid. What if they were telescoping blades? Yeah, the same way that every time they're like, hmm, Superman, Spider-Man, and Batman's costumes have existed relatively unchanged for, at this point, almost 100 years. Let me throw some shitty texture on there. Like, let me let me do a bunch of weird contours that don't make sense. I want to put fake muscle pads on this one. How? What if it all looked like it was really pebbly? <laughs> what if it looked pebbly? Yeah, I, we we want the villains to try and grab them and be like, "That feels weird. I don't want to touch that." It's like you're you're supposed to be. It's one of those things that's supposed to be like a massager, but it feels gross. Can like we? When they give you that soap full of oats, and they're like, "It's good for your skin," and it's like. Why does it feel like I'm scraping myself? Yeah. Can we nipple this thing up by uh, at least ninety percent? That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, you don't want like you don't want a partial nipple. That would be weird. No, that would be very strange or inverted, which a lot of people have. Yeah. And they have to blow on their thumb to make <laughs> to them pop blow. out. Yeah. Uh, so they get lost in the desert. They are wandering around forever. Yeah. Like, I've seen movies where people wander in the desert for a long time. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, mm. Lawrence of Arabia, Desert, the movie. Just, Noah, just, uh, wait, not Noah. What the fuck? Noah's kind of the opposite Moses. of the desert. It's nothing but water, Dan. You mean the Ten Commandments? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or was it, or Prince of Egypt? Or was I'm there a movie talking, called Moses? I'm just talking about the story of Moses. Oh, okay, just the exit. In general. Story. Yes, they wandered the desert well, for a very long time. They wandered the desert for a long time. Next beyond Thunderdome, where he has to ride off with that weird... With a uh, clown thing on his head or yeah. something? Yeah. I was uh, talking about the Moses Pale Kids. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, Dan's they, looking to Elliot. You got a bit for that? No. no I don't know what. I don't, I'm not sure I want to exert the energy to try to visualize <laughs> what the Moses Pale Kids would be. All I can think of is there's a pail oh, with I'll Moses in it. A little bounce pass. You can just yeah. take it right to the <laughs> like, I'll just, You know what? I'm going to use my red card. I only have one per, per season, but I'll use it to get out of this one. Oh, uh, you know what? I'll phone a friend on this one. Stuart, why don't you handle the Moses Pale Kids? Oh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> that's a bad idea. <laughs> When you say Moses Pale Kids and you think it's a bit, that's a bad idea. <laughs> when uh, you start to sing to cap off the bet, that's that bit, that's much worse. Yeah. Get the words wrong for the stupid song, then you keep on along in this thingy. When you did that, that quick summary of them getting lost in the desert, you made it sound more exciting than it was. It's very boring. They are wandering forever and then like, they fall down in some vultures land, and, and that's about it. And for like, there's you know, there, there's a couple of bits that are funny, like Warren Beatty yelling at the vultures is pretty funny. Yeah, there's some funny stuff there. And uh, there's a part; it's not funny. There's a part where they run into some gun runners who are auctioning off guns to Bedouins, and Dustin Hoffman gets con- gets uh, mm-hmm. mi- mixed up with the auctioneer who never shows up. Like, you think that the cap of that, so Dustin often has to pretend he can speak Arab languages in yeah. a bit that is, would be kind of offensive today. Yeah, uh, kind at, of offensive? It's a little offensive, <laughs> but uh, at the time, Arabs were, of course, our number one source of enemies for action movies, so mm. we didn't really care what they thought. But uh, the you'd think the capper to that bit would be that the real auctioneer shows up, but yeah. no, 
He conducts a successful auction with the help of a ringer. Well, you assume that dressed the, up in his in his kefir. You have to assume that the real auctioneer has died long ago, his bones stripped by vultures. Oh, you have to assume that the the, the other auctioneer has been blessed by God with mercy and will not be appearing in the film. <laughs> yeah, the other auctioneer is being held upside down and having his feet burned by Jabba's robot. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many scenes of them wandering the desert. I'm like, when are they going to come yes, upon Jabba's palace? It was the gonk droid that had that happen, and not the other guy. Well, maybe they, maybe the gonk droid was a bad auctioneer, and that's why they did it. <laughs> it was just like uh, we. Our first lot is this beautiful dancing girl, Ula. Do I hear gonk? Gonk. Do I hear gonk? I have gonk. Do I hear gonk? The man in the back, gonk. Do I have gunk? A man, a man. Yes, gunk. Boba Fett, gunk. Okay, do I have gunk? Gamorian guard, gunk. Do I have gunk? Yak man, gunk. Yeah, Riyiz, gunk. Oh, Klaatu, uh, gunk. And they were like, so how much is that at the end? Gunk. And they're like, Jabba's like, no Jabba Wanga. <laughs> Send him to the torture palace to be tortured. Yeah. Seems so possible about it. <laughs> That's because Java believe he at by that point he'd be he'd been he'd been uh, stuffing a lot of frogs in his gullet and sucking yeah. on that hookah pipe. Pretty, He's just living a pretty hard. No Java gong, no Java Wonga lifestyle yeah. at that point. Well, he has he has a he has a tattoo on his belly that says this is Wonga life. <laughs> <laughs> and also, when you're on Salacious Scrum, how can you not be in a good mood? Oh, the guy yeah, loves to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how is nobody, or maybe it exists? It's like a walking Big Johnson T-shirt. <laughs> it's guaranteed that. hilarity. Oh, I love that that character is just Gotta like laugh, you know? it's Ooh, Big just, Johnson. No, salacious crime oh. is just an adjective and a noun. Like it's just a crazy adjective and a noun. Uh, yeah, like lots of other names. <laughs> Whoa! Like what? Like uh, name one. Happy Gilmore. All right. <laughs> like Lucky. What's her name? Lucky, what something? Who's that person's name? Lucky from yes. what? I can't remember. Like, uh, yeah. wait, 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 wait. Like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Smiley mm-hmm. guy. Okay, that's Guy Smiley's name, but it's backwards. Yeah. Buckle your seatbelts. All right, Rees is just three eyes backwards. What? I, I mean, think. it's not really, it's like an anagram. It's not. Yeah, it's an anagram. I mean, they, they, they chopped out some letters. The T and the H are not in there. It's the same shit. <laughs> but uh, so I guess what I'm saying is Salacious Crumb, why hasn't anyone done a video yet where he's singing that I love to laugh song from Mary Poppins? Uh, get on the internet, I Come guess. On the internet, make it happen. Once I asked for a gif of Boba Fett falling into the Sarlacc and it would say nothing but Fett. People made it. So yeah. I want people to make this now. Don't send us that thing where it's the lightsaber battle, but it's just Owen Wilson saying whoa. Yeah. Saying wow. We don't need that. <laughs> 500 of that. We've got a lot of those. I want more Salacious Crumb singing the I Love to Laugh song from Mary Poppins. Yeah. Good stuff. You know, the one that, that, uh, that Ed Wynn sings. Yeah. Yeah. I love to laugh. <laughs> yeah, but imagine Salacious Crumb doing yeah, you it. Just yeah, just gave him the audio. They and didn't in- use that. And instead of the Ed Wynn laugh, it's the <laughs> <laughs> uh, so salacious Wipe out <laughs> yeah. That was his first job That was his first Yeah his first job <laughs> his first But gig. he was just a studio laugher So he didn't get credit on the album yeah. Didn't get any sweet royalties uh, So we've established again Salacious Crumb My favorite Star Wars <laughs> alien Because he loves to laugh mm-hmm. Let's get back to the movie They're wandering the desert Forever <laughs> The CIA wants them dead But it's not working out They send a helicopter To shoot them down But they have all these guns From the gun runners Because I guess the gun ru- The gun runners see the helicopter coming Think it's coming for them, and they all scatter. Now they've got this weaponry, 
and they're going to shoot this helicopter down. It flies away. Isabella Johnny shows up with a Jeep, saves their bacon, and they fire, like, they have, like, rockets that they're, or grenades they're firing yeah. at the helicopter. It flies away. Charles Grodin says, abort mission, abort mission. Everything's okay. Yeah, because it was supposed to be sort of a low-key, like, under-the-radar mission that they're killing their own civilians. Yeah, like, they're killing Americans. They're killing Americans and... In Ishtar. They're killing in the name of. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Now they, you do what they told you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, here's where I like the movie. I lost track of it. The movie skips to the end. It skips to the end and it's like, what happened to that stupid magic map everyone was talking about that was going to precipitate a, rev- a revolution? Well, Did that I happen? I think that Did the idea is. off camera? So Charles Grodin like mumbles a bunch of stuff about how like. There are a lot of scenes where Charles Grodin is mumbling plot exposition to Dustin Hoffman and I'm like, What? Yeah, like what? the idea is like I can't hear it. They threatened to sell the map to the KGB, and they extorted like um, number one. The Emir is like supposed to become more liberal now. There's going to be reforms. Oh, I missed all that. And number two, uh, the U.S. government to cover up what they've been doing in Ishtar, they have to back. The, their album. That's what I got. So they write yeah. a new album that's all full of songs about Ishtar and their big song that they've been trying to do the whole movie, which is about how honesty doesn't make you popular and if you play accordion, they're not going to ask you to play in a rock and roll band. But we can sing! And the U.S. government funds an album and a tour and it ends with their album cover in the same shop display window that they were looking into earlier with such envy in their eyes. And I got to tell you guys, this is something I mentioned right before we start recording. At home right now, I'm in the middle of watching a movie called Black Moon, uh-huh. the Louis Maul movie that's a kind of dreamlike vision of a not exactly sci-fi world where men and women are in a violent war with each other, and one woman is wandering through the chaos, and just it's just weird set piece after weird set piece. Suddenly, yeah. a herd of pigs followed by naked children will just run through the, the frame, or she'll talk to a woman where the woman seems to be speaking multiple languages at once. I am having so much of an easier time following that movie than I had following Ishtar, a big-budget Hollywood comedy starring Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman. I had so much trouble following the plot of this movie and one, knowing why anyone was doing anything at any point. Yeah. I, I went into it because there has been a little bit of like a re-evaluation. I went into it expecting it to be better than it was. Uh, Yeah. And it's not very good. It's not like I would have liked nothing more than to see it and be like, they were right. This is a good movie. But it's like it's like trying so hard to be funny and failing at almost every opportunity. Like, I don't even think it's trying that hard because you watch whole scenes and you're like, where were the jokes? I guess that's true. What happened to the jokes? They're trying so hard to do something. But I don't know what they're trying to do. Yeah. It's like, you want to watch, hey. You want to watch I'd Ishtar. love to watch Hay. Just you, a big pile of hay. Do want, I not have to watch Ishtar again? I'd rather watch the hay because a bug might show up at some point. If you you want to watch Ishtar, but like the funny version, just watch Dumb and Dumber, guys. It's basically the same thing. It is basically the same thing, and it is actually funnier. It's much funnier, <laughs> and you have two actors playing. The, I mean, Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty are great actors. They're like Dustin Hoffman is one of the best actors in American film ever. But they, for whatever reason, and Warren Beatty's really great in McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Warren Beatty's great in a lot of stuff, and, and he's what? like Warren Beatty is a genuinely great director. Like Reds is a great movie. And to think that only in a few years that powerhouse duo of Hoffman and Beatty 
would star side by side in one of the greatest movies of all time, Dick Tracy. Uh, you're overstating it quite a bit. Uh, I mean, but at least with Dick Tracy, like it looks beautiful. Like Ishtar, it's got yeah. Vittorio Storaro is making this movie. He's one of the greatest cinematographers of all time. And like, it doesn't look that great. Like it looks, and it's, it's, and you can't say like, well, it's in the desert. There's not a lot going on. There have been beautiful movies made in the desert. Deserts are beautiful. Like it's neither funny nor exciting nor beautiful nor touching. But we were talking about, so Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman, they're great, but they cannot seem to get the hang of playing two losers. And it's, you can't play dumb people. It's 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 hard. I mean, even in Midnight Cowboy, Dustin Hoffman's a loser, but he's not like a, he's kind of oblivious and he's doesn't a, understand like the world. A scammer. Yeah, but he's not an idiot. Yeah. Whereas like Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels, like totally understand what being how what makes being dumb funny. You and know? within moments of being introduced to their characters, you know who they are. Yeah. And I don't think Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty even knew who their characters were for a while. I think they, they, I mean, the 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 joke was always that they were that they had switched character, not joke, the idea that they had switched characters. So maybe they were trying to do their impressions of each other, and they're just like really unflattering. But that doesn't make any sense because Warren Beatty is, like you're saying, his accent gets more and more southern as time goes on, and he talks about what a big clumsy guy he is. Like, I would have liked it more. It's the same thing. We're in like Face Off, as crazy as the movie is, it never really lives up to the promise of John Travolta doing a Nicolas Cage impression and Nicolas Cage doing a John Travolta impression, which it should have been. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that's right. Like, they should have, but uh, but this one, like, maybe if they had played into that more, like, they're literally playing each other's characters, like, I, I mean, I know. think the best parts in Face Off are when they're kind of trying to do impressions of each other. Yeah. yeah. I think, I don't know, I think the best parts of Face Off are Nicolas Cage is, is the bad guy. And he's at the just beginning? Like, at the beginning, and he's just like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. And he's a priest dancing in public and yeah. grabbing like a, a young girl's butt and no one seems to notice. <laughs> like, it's like he's turned invisible in that moment. <laughs> it's that like, at that moment, no one seems to see him but this one girl in the choir. And I kind of wonder, like, is he a figment of her imagination? <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the movie is just her fever dream as she lies between life and death on a church choir trip. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, where and he, the, and where he really the, likes fruit. He eats peaches for hours. Yep. That's all that means, right? I mean, yep. by that he point, just likes fruit. Yeah, that's why he's on the cover of Fruit Lover magazine. <laughs> uh, Dan, so where were yeah. the jokes? Uh, These people know jokes. Yeah, is this like the opposite of a fucking oops all berry situation? <laughs> oops, no jokes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like you know, it's like the Garfield without Garfields thing, yeah. but it's like comedy without jokes. Like someone went in and digitally erased all the jokes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I Why think that you erase fucking Garfy. I think oh, Elaine, because then it becomes a it becomes a comic strip about John Arbuckle living in his sadness. Yeah, it's pretty funny. There's two ways to do it. There's the one where there's no Garfield and John Arbuckle's yeah. a crazy person, and there's the one I prefer where Garfield's in it, but they've erased all of his speech balloons, <laughs> so it's just John Arbuckle <laughs> blowing his top at a cat <laughs> and just abusing this cat that does nothing but sit there. Do you ever see that one uh, Garfield comic where he's there at the vet? And John picks up like a cup, of, like a coffee mug, and drinks it real quick. And the the vet is like, "Congratulations, you're gonna have a litter of puppies, Mister Arbuckle." And you're like, "Did he just drink dog jizz out of a coffee cup?" 
I've not seen that one. I don't know it. It's also a huge misunderstanding about how insemination works. If yeah, this doesn't veterinarian go, thinks go in that, the mouth. Yeah, maybe this will be successful. I mean, None of my drink, dog inseminations have worked. You drink something out of that coffee cup. Yeah. Also, what are they keeping in a coffee cup? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be in there. Garfield is doesn't get the reputation it deserves as being a pretty experimental strip. There was the Nine Lives of Garfield, which is a crazy book. Yeah. There's that Garfield that week of Garfield strips where Garfield is in his house and everyone's gone and it implies that he dies and every strip after that is just his his fantasy that he escapes into like at the end of Brazil. Okay. Uh but anyway, Ishtar. So guys, mm-hmm. I was disappointed that it wasn't like I like I was this movie totally it didn't live up to the the reappraisal hype, but it kind of totally lived up to the early hype of it being really bad. Yeah. I think this is a final judgment sort of thing. What's whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie or a movie you kind of like Elliot continue with your thoughts. I would say I wanted this to be either a good, bad movie or a movie kind of like, it was just a bad, bad movie. Like it's one of these, in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, but in watching this movie, <laughs> I can't when you say it that way. It doesn't seem like you think <laughs> maybe you I'm the one who's crazy, <laughs> but like, I think I can count up the number of moments in the movie that I was entertained or enjoying it, like, on one hand. There were so many times when I, like, could, just couldn't puncture what was going on on screen. I couldn't engage or enter into it because I found it so boring and incomprehensible in terms of, like, why are these things happening on screen? What about this is supposed to be funny? Like, if you, t- if you showed this movie to me and you didn't tell me it was a comedy, I think I would think it was, like, Kind of just a bad action thriller. You yeah. Know? It were, but it feels also like they slammed two different movies together. They took a, they took the first half hour and they slammed it into this like kind of crappy TV movie Indiana Jones place. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I the first twenty minutes or so, I was kind of like, oh, maybe this is like an underrated comedy. Like it's not. I'm not laughing that much, but there are moments where I'm like, this is funny, and I can see what it's pointing at and I can see what it's trying to do and I like the kind of semi-improvisational feel although it could really use an editor. Like if it kept going that way it wouldn't be really good but it wouldn't be abysmal the way yeah. it's been described. But as soon as it goes into the Middle East it just becomes so deadly dull and and all of the plot is uh, relayed by Charles Grodin having conversations with people and if you miss any of it you're totally lost. And that's what I feel about it. Uh, yeah, no, you guys are both right. I did not enjoy this one. I was hoping, because it was like known for being this big budget flop, I was hoping that at least it, there would be things on screen that would be visually interesting, mm-hmm. like a choice that is totally wrong, but it was at least interesting to see. Like, 1941 is not a fun movie, but you're like, wow, this is a big movie. Yeah. Like there's tons you of shit get a going lot of on. Movie for your fucking money. You get a lot of bad movie, but you get a lot of yeah. movie. Uh, and this there's there's just not much there. And then even the big even the like the big scenes of like the shootout in the marketplace, like it's just so sloppily organized. And for a movie, especially where like it sounds like uh, Elaine May shot so much footage. Uh, you would think that they would have had better stuff. Yeah. So here's what I was saying earlier that I got cut off. Imagine, so Isabella Johnny is playing this like Middle Eastern freedom fighter. They don't give her very much of anything to do. Very, But imagine if Carol Kane had played that part. Mm-hmm. And it would make a lot more sense if she's kind of like a daffy 
kind of off uh, Middle Eastern freedom fighter. One thing, she's funny. As much as I love Isabella Johnny, she is not a comedy performer. Like, yeah. I don't watch Possession or, like, Adele H or something like that for comedy. For you a know? slap in your knees. Yeah, exactly. When I watch an Isabella Johnny movie, I want to see, like, Alienation and Despair, which is what, what she does really great. Uh-huh. But, like, imagine, can you, like, a movie with, like, it explains why she would be kind of jerking these guys around so much and being such a weirdo if she was Carol Kane. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you would, the way that a performer brings a persona with them, like, you wouldn't even need to explain it. The minute she revealed she was Carol Kane, you'd be like, uh-oh, these guys are in for some trouble. <laughs> like, the same way that the funniest moment in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World is when at the airport they're like, get the fire crew ready, and they're like, we got them, and it pans over, and the firemen are the Three Stooges, and, like, you're like, <laughs> don't need anything more. I know exactly how this is going to turn out that's, badly. That's like, a it, bad idea. Like, it's such a fun, it's like the funniest shot, and it's, you just, because of the persona they bring with them, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> These guys are not going to do a good job. Uh, and you never, the three just don't even appear in the rest of the movie. But it's so, like, I remember seeing that in the theater, and it got a lot of laughs. It's a funny movie. But when that shot moved over, it was like the audience could not contain their shit. They were just, like, losing it. All, all they do is stand there. But they stand there with the weight of years of laughter on their shoulders. So everybody, you yeah. know what? For this special 10th anniversary Flophouse, let's hear it for the Three Stooges, everybody. Yeah. Larry, Mo, Curly. Champ. Champ, Curly Joe. Emil, who didn't get to be in any of the Stooges movies. He was announced as the third Stooge shortly before the other Stooges died. But, you know, uh, they all deserve their applause. No. No. That's sad. Um. I mean, they were far too old to be doing those movies at that point. But I know age is just a number. Yeah. 40 is the new 20, according to Cougar Town. <laughs> Cougarton? Now, that's a reference to an ad campaign from, what, nine years ago? Yeah, so I guess 49 is the new 29? Mm-hmm, you know it. Okay. So, Dan, what's next on this yeah, what do we do now? special 10th anniversary flop house? We've laid, uh, we've laid Ishtar to rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hopefully it won't rise from the grave. We'll sleep with the fish tars. <laughs> Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together, we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like, why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about bugs. No, we don't. Nope. <laughs> Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager and... I was two butts, 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 butts. No. The three of you enter a cave of a big red dragon and is standing over a hoard of precious golden rubies. And he says, what do you do, adventures? I'm a dragon man. I cast fire on him. It's very good. I address the red dragon to say... Us, we're the hosts of The Adventure Zone, a podcast about family playing Dungeons and Dragons. Very good synergy. Commit to the bit. I I, <laughs> I roll to charm new listeners. 
It is very effective <laughs> against all odds. Everybody, we're the Macroids. We host the Adventure Zone. It's a podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons together. It's a comedy podcast. We don't take the rules too seriously because there's a lot of them and we did not take the time to learn them. Maybe listen to us. We come out every other Thursday on the Maximum Fun Network. You can find us on iTunes or on MaximumFun.org. I think this promo is a critical hit. <laughs> Hi, it's Dan here, going it solo, uh, unfortunately, for the ads this week because uh, of the way we recorded this episode, but uh, we'll try and get through this together, shall we? Uh, before I get into the advertisements, I just want to make a very special announcement. The Flophouse is doing its first live shows on the West Coast this coming fall and winter. We have coming up on October the 8th at the L.A. Regent Theater. We're doing a special show. I mean, I say a special show. All the shows are special. And there's nothing particularly special about this show. So we're just doing a live show. Take it that way. Let's take that out again. Can we go again? Uh, on October the 8th at the L.A. Regent Theater, we will be doing a show. A show. Uh, also on December the 9th, at the San Francisco Marines Memorial Theater, we will also be performing. Those are two great California shows because California boy Elliot Kalen has kidnapped us and is taking us out to the West Coast. But uh, the Flophouse is sponsored in part by ZipRecruiter. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get qualified candidates in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first. One more time to try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. Did you catch the times when I sort of said words wrong? If so, then you could be an Elliot Kalin in training. Uh, I'm sorry that he wasn't here to make fun of me in real time. Uh, next up, we've got Squarespace. The Flophouse is supported in part by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Create a beautiful website with Squarespace's award-winning templates and all-in-one platform. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Squarespace provides hard-working, award-winning, 24-hour customer support. Squarespace offers a unique domain experience that's fully transparent and simple to set up. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, visit squarespace.com slash flop. That's 10% off your first purchase, not 10% off your first purchase. There's no percentage of the metal tin that you will get off your first purchase. Apologize. Apologies to those who really hate the metal tin. Uh, we do have one Jumbotron message. It's for Susan, not Sarandon, from Patrick, not Duffy. And the message is, happy birthday. Sorry your favorite peach, 
parentheses, Elliot, has left, but I bet he would sing you a song if he were still around. Maybe Stu would hum something? I'm sorry that Elliot is not here to hum or to sing, and Stuart's not here to hum. Can I do some Tuvan throat singing for you? That was probably racially insensitive or culturally insensitive. I'm sorry. Um, Look, I'm just doing this off the top of my head. I apologize to anyone who might have actually studied Tuvan throat singing or be part of that culture. I am just a jackass who does things on the internet. Uh, we're bringing the show to the Now Hear This podcast festival in New York City this September. The lineup includes great shows like How Does It Get Made, Comedy Bang Bang, Criminal, and Planet Money, plus more of your favorites from Gimlet, Crooked Media, Public Radio, and Radiotopia. And it's How Did This Get Made, not How Does This Get Made. That's, uh, that's a different show. That's sort of a how, that's sort of a stuff you should know kind of show that I just made up in my mind. Um, uh, I promise you it was not a Freudian slip. We are not rivals. I was not trying to throw how did this get made under the podcasting bus. Uh, anyway, this is a great value. One ticket gets you all access to 25 live shows throughout the weekend. 25 live shows from one ticket. And the first 100 people to use our offer code FLOP at checkout save 20 bucks. Now here, this is September 8th through 10th in New York City. Come see great podcasts, meet the hosts, and make some new friends. Go to nowhearthisfest.com to get your tickets. That's nowhearthisfest.com. And enter offer code FLOP at checkout to save 20 bucks. Um, so, yeah, the our podcast is doing that show. Elliot will not be there. Elliot will not be at the Now Hear This podcast festival. Um, but we will hopefully have correspondent... From the Daily Show, Ronnie Chang stepping in for him. I say hopefully because at this moment, we're trying to get our uh, time pushed back at the festival because Ronnie is going to be coming in, flying in from a stand-up gig in another state, and it will be tight. The time will be tight. So we are trying to get everything squared away, but um, hopefully that will all work out. And if not, we have a very great backup guest worked out um so those are all the messages uh for this week other than i want to remind people again that the flop house is coming to the west coast on october 8th la region theater and and on uh december the 9th the san francisco marines memorial theater uh there's also a toronto show in there that has been sold out so don't snore on these west coast tickets and uh now Back to the show. Other than that, 10 years of the Flophouse, that's crazy. And we have some listener messages uh, that want to tell us. Beep. Hey, it's me, not Dan. I mean, uh, I'm Dan. I mean, no, I'm I'm not Dan. And I think Dan's the best. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Dan, for 10 years of being the coolest dude and super sexy. Bye. Beep. Wow, okay. That was. Wow, cool and super sexy. Normally, those things are mutually exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Yet Dan pulls it off, according to not Dan. Mm-hmm. So what's it's a up weird next? name? I guess it's like Norse or something. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is what's up next is letters from listeners. Listeners like you? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Get on the fucking trolley, guys. 
listeners like you, what other kind of listeners would there be? You're the only ones out there. You're listening to us. And you sent us a letter. God damn it. What, do you forget that you sent us a letter? Come on. Come on. Come anyway. On. Hey, everybody. It's time for a song to kind of smooth things over when Dan gets mad. Sometimes Dan says things that he doesn't believe and he doesn't mean. Dan's just feeling a little green. That's MVS Plus. He's been drinking again. And that's when the mean part of Dan comes out to so- to shine. But we think you're great. And your letters are first rate. Keep sending them in. Keep listening in. Don't listen to Dan when he says those mean things. It's just a monster inside of Dan that makes him say those things. It's named Pennywise. And it's appearing (laughs) in the upcoming film, It. It is a movie about a clown who starts killing kids in a great small town. That clown's name is Pennywise, and he lives in Dan. What a crazy man. <laughs> That's a better song than any of the songs in Ishtar. <laughs> uh, sadly, yeah. Uh, so, first letter of the evening is from Dave, last name withheld. Mm, Dave Matthews of the eponymous band. Who writes, back in 1995, my girlfriend, now wife, said regarding our next date, Quote, it's my turn to treat. You pick the movie. Being a 20-year-old in 1995, I was just like the hugest Tarantino fan ever. So I picked Destiny Turns on the Radio. (laughs) That's right. I saw this movie in the theater and someone else paid for it. How I was not immediately single following said date still remains a mystery. So I ask you, dear floppers, have you ever suggested something based on past enjoyment of someone's work that was so bad you had to apologize repeatedly for subjecting others to it? Thanks, Dave. Last name withheld. Uh, I don't know if this is exactly the same situation, but my wife has still never seen the original series of Mr. Show. Uh, and when the Bob and David sketch show on Netflix started up, I watched the first episode or two of it, and I was like, this is hilarious. And Danielle was like, my wife was like, hey, I've, I've heard of that show. I'll give it a try with you. I was like, okay, sure. I don't know what's going to be a thing. I'll give it a try. And we watched the episode that opens with a long bit equating terrorists with Hollywood executives. And it has like a bunch of like Middle Eastern terrorists sitting in like Spagos talking about terror and box office and things like that. And it is the least funny thing Bob Odenkirk and David Cross have ever done. And I was sitting there with her and I was like – uh, trust me, this is not what the show is usually like. And luckily, right after that, there are a bunch of hilarious sketches in it. There's a great sketch where people are trying to write a musical about a house, and there's a scene where someone's trying to return clothes that have stains on them from the dry cleaners. Both hilarious. But for the like a few minutes, I was with sitting next to her being like, is this? So that her f- first taste of this show that's like a seminal show to me, uh, this reunion show, mm-hmm. is like, going to be literally the worst sketch I think they've ever done and just so unfunny, and I felt really bad. I didn't apologize, but I was like, "Uh, let's keep watching. I'm sure it'll get better. And it did. I couldn't think of anything that was based on, like, previous experience. Like, I couldn't think of something that was based on, like, I like this person in the past, so I'm going to inflict this horrible thing on a new person. Like, the only thing I can think of was uh, when I was dating Sarah... Uh, in college, I was like, "Hey, you know what looks good? Just based on the trailers, just What's based, that? uh, Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within." 
That's a crazy thing to do. Because okay. <laughs> at the time, uh, it was just visually stunning. At the time, like there wasn't something yeah. that amazing in terms of and the voice talents anime. of Donald Sutherland. <laughs> How do you say no? Yeah, and you're like. I just, you had just gotten done playing Final Fantasy VII and unlocking all the fucking summons and uh, yeah. riding chocobos up against <laughs> Sephiroth. <laughs> and we watched it, and it is like the most bullshit, like weird anime style uh, plotting that mm-hmm. you could imagine. Yeah. And for years afterwards, I would apologize for taking her to see Final Fantasy The Spirits Within. And uh, she would always be like, no, it wasn't so bad. And I'm just like, but it hurt me. Like, I'm like, no, it was that bad. <laughs> I should yep. be punished for this decision. Yeah. Anytime you give her any kind of a gift and you see a look in her eyes, you would think, is she thinking about Final Fantasy? <laughs> the spirits of that. that reminds me of when, uh, when Superman Returns came out and my wife and I just started dating. And I was like, I'm going to see the Superman movie. And it was a really gross hot day in new york she was like i'll go see it with you it'll be air conditioning and i was like all right i can kind of guarantee you're not going to enjoy this movie like i'm not even sure i'm gonna like it she's like no no it's fine i'll go and she hated it and for years after she'd be like well i did go see superman returns with you and i was like whoa "Whoa, i gave you fair warning i told you ahead of time you shouldn't see this it's not gonna be something you like yeah i i can't really think of a good example of this i mean there's been a lot of times where I've just completely misjudged my uh, wife's interest in things uh, or my parents' interest in things. But uh, you, uh, you talked to me about when you and your wife went to see Green Room. Yeah. When, uh, so I took her to see Green Room and I had uh, like I had obviously seen Murder Party and uh, and Blue Ruin. And those are both, let's say, difficult movies. But. Not necessarily. I mean, I guess they can. They're they're pretty violent, but but not like gruesome. No, not they're not green room. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I took her to see this early screening because the director was going to be there, and uh, so we're sitting there watching it. And she made it about fifteen minutes into the movie before she had to put her hands over her eyes for the remainder <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> And the only thing I can say is that in the cab uh, going home, she at least admitted it was a good movie. <laughs> she just didn't like it. That's fair. Uh, this next lover is from Caleb Last Name Withheld. Caleb Carr, author of The Alienist? Oh, yeah. Wow. He's Caleb writes, in a previous episode, Elliot mentioned that he has a distinctive rivalry with Justin McElroy. What happened to your bitter antagonism towards John Hodgman? Stuart, since I can't be your best friend, you already have at least two of them, Uh can I be your nemesis instead? Sure. Dan, why haven't you switched all your social media profile pics to show photos with you with your beard? It makes you look like a sexy English professor. Well, the beard is gone right now. It's a seasonal beard, but thank you for the If you were wearing a beard in this weather, you'd be dead. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Let me hold on. Let me ask uh, Dr. Evazon, uh if Dan uh, decides to just tell Dan, Dan, if Dan decides to grow a beard in this weather, uh, what will happen to him? Dr. Evazon, you'll be dead. Because <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's the line he says in Star Wars. You know, that was a bit of a walk around the block. But you know what? <laughs> I liked what happened. So I guess the main question, though, is what happened to your feud with Judge John Hodgman? Uh, it's still kind of there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we have we it's but it's you know it's all kayfabe, dude. You know, like uh, I don't want to talk about it at school, but it's a lot of it's just performance. 
you know. Oh, okay. I don't want to break kayfabe, though. Yeah, me and John, Judge John Hodgman, ooh, we don't like each other. Me and Justin McElroy, oh, boy, what a bad dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somebody can be my bad dude. Somebody can kid one of the bad president. dudes from Bad Dude. <laughs> um, so I hope that answers your question, I guess. Uh, the next question is from Aaron, last name withheld. Rockovich. Oh, Aaron. Wait, is it Aaron or Aaron? Aaron. That, I'm that still not clarify. sure. Okay, Aaron just ask Carter? the question. Aaron. Does that help? Spell it. Aaron. Spell it. E R I N. Okay, thank you, Aaron. Okay. Okay, Aaron Gabra. No, that sounds more like Aaron. No, Aaron or Aaron. Yeah, I said Aaron. Yeah, that sounds like Aaron. 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 Not Aaron. Well, that's how you're saying it. No. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> so if you met a dude named Aaron, that's how you'd say. <laughs> so it. they'd be like, you'd "Hey, like, hey, you'd like to stand your I'm job. over pronouncing." <laughs> Pronunciating it. Hey, hey, uh, Dan, you want to meet Aaron Eckhart from uh, from the bat from that second Batman movie? Like, it's great to meet you, Aaron. <laughs> there's Aaron, and there's Aaron, and I was saying the latter. Okay, well now we know. Knowing half the battle. GI Joe. Uh, I recently spent an entire day creating YA a YA dystopia random generator. Why a dystopia? <laughs> hey, oh. Thanks, Groucho. <laughs> <laughs> and when you mentioned terrible YA movies when discussing Max Magician, it made me wonder, if your life was a YA dystopia or typical YA movie, what would it be? Who would you be on the run from? And what's the arbitrary thing that the evil government shadow corporation slash corporate overlords slash aliens band that would get you to start the revolution? Butts? Fear? Movies from before 1950? The Horror. Love your all's podcast, and though I live nowhere in, in, near New York City, I hope to someday visit the Hinterlands Bar and meet y'all. Yeah. Sincerely, Aaron, last name withheld. I think Aaron partially answered the question, right? Yeah, already did. Although I would say jokes in the future. Oh. Jokes are illegal, and it's up to the comedy squad to save America from itself. It's pretty good. I in a world in a, where laughing can get you killed. Mm -hmm. The most dangerous joke of all. Is this one? This one. So, a man walks into a bar. Okay. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. That's the. Uh oh, I'm gonna be arrested for a comedy crime. Yep. Uh, there was only a precog that could have saved me from that joke. <laughs> uh, Dan, what do you think? Would uh, in your dystopia? No, I think what's the, illegal? Butts. I think she got it with butts. Yeah. I think the Surgeon General. Has eliminated butts <laughs> okay. from the human body. They just remove them at birth, or <laughs> yeah, at birth. There's no butts, and then there's there uh, there's normies who have no butts. Okay, and then there's the, this the, sound normie to me, dude. <laughs> no. Well, no, in this in this two up topsy turvy world, okay. the yeah. normies have no butts. That's, and then there's the, the butt criminals. Scroll, the, the yeah. <laughs> in the future, those the opening, with butts. No, it's the opening scroll. It's, be, just, <laughs> it's on the back of an envelope. <laughs> it's, I mean, it sounds like it would be. <laughs> the, the, uh, those with butts are derisively referred to as dares, <laughs> short for derrieres mm -hmm. <laughs> or hole havers. So is it the whole, like the anus is gone? Where do you poop out of? Or it's just the fleshy part, just the gluteus? Yeah, you push it back up out of your mouth like an <laughs> Everyone has a cloaca. Oh, okay. And does does double duty. Yeah. That's uh, the name of the movie, duty. Double Duty. <laughs> oh, that's great. What if Double Dragon was called Double Duty? 
Uh, here we go. A little something <laughs> like this. It'd probably be a less successful video game franchise. I don't know, instead of a more successful movie franchise. Uh, I think you're right. And Stuart, what would they ban for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think uh, beer is a good answer. Tabletop like, gaming. I feel like comic books is another good oh, one. Oh yeah. Like that's another silly one where it's like. Wait, really? That's what they're banning and people are freaking out? Well, I love how many rock and roll concept things there are where rock and roll has been banned. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, because that's the only thing between us and total over totalitarian domination is rock and roll. Thanks, <laughs> Sticks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sticks, you're the one thing keeping us from falling all over the, the precipice. The precipice. Oh, can't even say the word. Dan, can you say that word for me? Precipice. Thank you. Uh... Perceived yeah, us. I mean, yeah, the totally, totally, Ugh, man, after wow. 10 years, our that tongues are dissolving. What happened? Oh, no. Did I infect you? The jewel in my palm is glowing. <laughs> <laughs> I've reached the end of my lifetime. Oh, no. Uh, but the totalitarian <laughs> government, they should just give it time and, like, rock will kill itself, right? Yeah, it'll get all bloated. It'll get replaced with other stuff. Yeah, hip-hop. Whatever. Is that what do kids even listen to nowadays? I don't know. Mm. Skrillex? Oh. Do they still they, listen they still to Skrillex? Listen to that guy? Okay. I think YouTube celebs talking about their makeup. Sure. Mm-hmm. Unboxing things. Day. Yeah. On the unboxings. Mm-hmm. How, when do you, unboxing day. They how, do all their unboxing videos. Oh boy. How long do you think until there's an unboxing video based horror movie? What do you think would happen in that horror They open movie? up a box and something scary is inside. Oh, so it's like the crate from Creep Show? Or the crepe oh, from the movie The Crepe. <laughs> or the to... cape from the show The Cape. <laughs> we have to get on that, guys. It's an unboxing horror movie? Yeah, somebody else is going to do it before us. We should do it. Okay, that's the title of it. Unboxing or yes. Unboxed? Unbo- yeah. Unboxed. Okay. And, then it's, uh, and the tagline is, just don't open it. Okay, we're already halfway there. Now we just need to write a script and cast it and then shoot it. That's the easy part. Dan, any other letters? Uh, just one quick last letter from Skyler, last name withheld. Hmm. You got nothing for that, huh? Skyler Colfax. From Breaking Bad. Skyler from Breaking Skyler Bad. Skyler White, yeah. Uh, hi, Floppers. I was recently listening to your episode on Saving Christmas in which you mentioned Gogurt. I Googled it to see if it was still around. And found out that, yes, it is still being made. And more importantly, that in the UK, it is called Froobs. What? Just thought you'd like to know that. Now, what is that a portmanteau? Skyler, last name with them. What could that possibly be a portmanteau? Froobs. Froobs. So, food. Fruit. Dudes. <laughs> is it Fruda or Fruba? Froobs. Froobs. And like, tubes. Like dudes. it rhymes with boobs. So, fruit, fruit, fruit and boobs. Yeah. Fruit and tubes. I guess that is what it is. Fruit. It. Finally, fruit in a tube, which is just a banana. Mm-hmm. Fruit, boobs, and tubes. <laughs> That's the sequel to Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. With like, Guy Fieri has gone insane. <laughs> I'm driving around in America looking for the best fruit, tubes, and boobs. <laughs> I'm here at Bethlehem Pipeworks, where steel is made into pipes. Those are tubes. And then it's on to Beavers, the local strip club for boobs. <laughs> then I'm going to hit up a local and farmer's market. Yeah, and they're mixed fruit medley. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm going to go apple picking. <laughs> 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 uh.
And he goes into a big factory, and he's like, hey, man, these are such cool tubes. You know how I'd make this tube? I'd wrap it in titanium like a quarter inch thick. That'll make it real strong. That'll be a good tube. I'll be going to a production of Blue Man Group's hit show, Tubes. Oh, boy. So, Froobs. Thanks for that. Okay. Good news. Good news. Did you hear the good news about Froobs, Dan? I have. He's been converted. Uh, so the last, uh, thing that we normally do on the show is to, uh, recommend movies, movies that we might like to see instead of, um, whatever the fuck we watched, Ishtar. Ishtar. Uh, Stuart seems to not have anything. Uh, I can go first if you need me to. you know, I, I'm about halfway, I'm like 30 minutes into a movie and I don't want to recommend it yet because I haven't finished watching it. So I'm just going to recommend uh, I'm going to recommend a movie from 1973 titled Robin Hood, animated by Disney and Don Bluth. <laughs> mm-hmm. The sexiest foxes around. It's fucking great. Until Zootopia. Uh, until Zootopia, it had the sexiest foxes around. Well, until Star uh, Fox 64. The, uh, the, I think the jury's not out on that one. Uh, he rides a fighter jet spaceship. I mean, it depends on what you're into, man. I'm into the the fantasy stuff. Okay. The um, character design's great. It's just an awesome movie. You should go watch it. It's probably my favorite of the uh, the older Disney anime canon. Really? Yeah. I mean, I like it. I certainly loved it as a kid. I I had an obsession with Robin Hood as a child, but and that's why you're a furry now. Mm-hmm. No, well, shame on that. no, come on. It's Norm's it's now. That's how Dan lives his life, although I wouldn't do it now because it's fucking hot as hell right now. Yeah, you would. Oh, Dr. Evazon, uh, if Dan puts on his sex furry costume in this heat, uh, how will he be? You'll be dead. Oh, wow. Well, why do we invite that guy over? <laughs> oh, because he's friends with Ponda Beba, and Ponda Beba's cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's roughly what Ponda Beba sounds like. Uh, oh, you're looking at me. Um, so I haven't seen a lot recently, but I did see a little movie called John Wick 2, Two Shades of Blue. Um, and it's uh, a fun action film. You know, it's exactly what you expect kids. out of a John Wick 2. Uh, except for, I will say this, I was talking to Elliot about it. Like the beauty of John Wick kind of is in its simplicity. Like this guy gets his dog killed and it's a classic you fucked with the wrong guy scenario. Yeah. Like... Like, oh, okay, the fun of this is seeing all of these punks get outclassed by Good shot in the, head. the biggest fucking badass in the world. Yeah. And it's like, you literally just fucked with the wrong guy. And John Wick 2 takes it into a turn of like this more Baroque kind of universe where everyone is a, an assassin and fleshes out this assassin's... Uh, this Assassin's Creed, if you will. Oh. I won't. Uh, <laughs> the way that all these um, these hired killers interact Talk and their the, code of conduct. The and weird, such. like, gold coin yeah, economy and everything. Exactly. <laughs> and so you're you're moving from what's basically... From New York to L.A. Like, That's where I'm moving from. That's too bad. An yeah. upscale sort of taken scenario to, like, this really, like, weird, like, fantasy universe. Almost, where everyone's at super Where killer. everyone's, like, super good at killing. Uh, but it's still really fun. It's a fun action film, and if you like well choreographed action scenes, you'll get your uh, you'll get your film. If you like poorly or choreographed action scenes, Ishtar. Yeah, 
I'm going to recommend a movie that had a lot of promise and doesn't quite live up to it, but it's still a really fun movie. And that's uh, a movie called Winter Kills, uh, which is directed by William Rickert, and it's got an amazing cast. It stars Jeff Bridges in the main role. But there's also John Houston, Anthony Perkins is in it, Eli Wallach's in it, Tashira Mafuni is in it, Sterling Hayden is in it, Elizabeth Taylor appears in it. It's got this amazing Jeez. cast, and it's kind of like a 70s version of The Manchurian Candidate, but not quite. It's, it's, not, it's a couple tiers down from Manchurian Candidate in terms of what it has to say and kind of how well it says it. Uh, it's this kind of, it's, and not whether, and it's kind of not sure if it's a thriller or a comedy, but in a way that really worked for me, where Jeff Bridges is the brother of a Kennedy type president who was assassinated years ago. Uh, and they have this super rich dad, John Houston. And Jeff Bridges essentially learns that it may have been a conspiracy that killed his brother and that the real killers are out there and decides to go on the trail. And, it like it's the kind of movie that's like a little tongue in cheek, but then suddenly a bunch of characters will just get killed out of nowhere. Uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. It's far from a perfect movie. It's got a lot of flaws, and the ending really doesn't work. But uh, it's a fun watch. Winter Kills. All right. Three recommendations. Yeah. From the three original bad boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not- Martin Lawrence, Will Smith, and Charles Manson. <laughs> what a different movie that was. <laughs> Uh, so it's been 10 years, guys, 10 years, 10 amazing years. You know, mm-hmm. so much has happened in the 10 years since this podcast began. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Smartphones became common and common became one of America's favorite hip hop stars and fidget spinners spun their way into our hearts. Meanwhile, Netflix keeps flicking along. Mm-hmm. Nothing but net. And. There's been so many Spider-Mans. <laughs> oh, so many Spider-Mans. <laughs> Dan's had to, uh, we, Dan used to have to order the fucking movies from Netflix. That's true. <laughs> and we would have to get, <laughs> we'd have to get them in the mail. Yeah. That was dumb. I wonder, I wonder what it would be like. I wonder what it's going to be like when we keep doing this podcast in the future. The future? The future. Future. podcast i'm dan mccoy hey i'm future Stuart wellington i'm a brain in a jar that was once known as elliot kalen functionally immortal now that i'm a brain in a jar and my consciousness was also double uploaded to skynet so i'll live forever oh, that's great in the mind of a t-1000 liquid metal bot thanks for letting all of our current day listeners understand some of the technologies <laughs> that they deal with on an everyday basis yeah i don't know why i explained all that because it's pretty well known and fully 70 percent of the human population is now brains and jars sure. uploaded to skynet but that's what do we do on this uh hollow cast brain box dan mm-hmm. we watch uh we, well we watch our own hollow casts which are uh, of course in this case, movies that are beamed directly into our brains. Uh-huh. As information that the audience probably doesn't need to know, but let's continue to explain mm-hmm. it. As this is how they ingest mass media these days, which is right now. 
We watch a bad version of that, and then we talk about it. Yeah, so they will take their cred stick and stick it into their video player, which then beams things directly into their brain. Mm-hmm. And, every- and their video player usually looks like some kind of weird semi-organic blob mm-hmm. that they have strapped to their wrist. They have to plug it into the port at the base of their neck. Mm-hmm. And, of course, with every vid play comes a, a little bit of a deterioration of the pineal gland. Mm. Yeah, and a little bit of a like a fluid seepage that comes out from their, their neck port. Mm-hmm. But because... Uh, movies or Hollywood sin experiences, as they're known now, as everyone yeah. knows, because they live now. Uh, at, they since they're now at the same time, they come double packed with legal heroin. Uh, it's addictive, and people need them. And so, <laughs> thanks for clarifying to people uh, in modern day that heroin is addictive. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's just become such a part of modern life <laughs> yeah. that people forget that there was They'd a time that it was uh, that, that it, it's it was when we were kids it was still illegal. But of course now babies are given it by the government because mm. uh, the Trump <laughs> because the Trump Omicron demands a certain level of sedation in the population. Yeah. Uh, now the Holovid sin uh, experience that we watched this time was of course the tenth in the reboot of the Fast and the Furious series, uh-huh. Fast 10, Your Seatbelts. Uh-huh. It's, it's impressive that they chose the same pun both times they made a tenth film in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Now, I find it weird that they would, uh, even though they're rebooting it, they would still use the Vin Diesel's head in a jar. No offense to you, Elliot, as a head in a jar, but a brain in a jar. Said sorry. lightly. Uh, it's not a full head. This I, isn't Futurama, <laughs> or as it's known now, Pastorama. I just think it would be strange to use and a no, brain. Don't, let's not confuse that with Pastorama, the <laughs> the chain of pasta restaurants, which is now the most popular dining place for all humans on the earth. It's where I take my Italian brain in a jar. <laughs> yeah, because pasta, again, as we everyone knows, is now also double-packed with heroin, and people just crave it. And by the way, just to confirm... That heroin is also addictive. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, even though it's good that they, you know, went with a nostalgia choice with Vin Diesel, like, I feel like a brain in a jar, being limbless, is not really the best driver of cars. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter since cars are, as everyone knows, now driverless <laughs> and totally autonomous, and the cars have taken over large swaths of the country. It uh, does make it strange that these are the best car drivers in the world when cars can drive themselves. Yeah, it it hurts the premise a little bit, but that's these crazy modern times we live in. Uh, but is that brain in a jar any worse than what they did with The Rock? who, of course, we all remember in the third movie and in real life, his brain was placed into literally a granite reproduction of his original body from Uh when he was young after he he atrophied from brood sickness, you know, after the satellite crashed into his home. Uh, Is that any better? I expected that they would take that brain, that rock that they have inserted his brain into, and then taking that rock and stuck that into a jar too. Yeah, it's crazy (laughs) that it's in a giant jar. Uh, But is that any better? I mean, it looks a little bit like a body. Meanwhile, you've got uh, all these great character actors in it, like Harry Connick Jr. Jr. And, mm-hmm. of course, uh, there's also Johnny Lewis Depp Gossett Jr. Sr. Jr. Louis <laughs> Gossett Jr. Jr. And, of course, Edward James, all the way, no longer, almost. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're all, it's, what I yeah, love about yeah, it. Yeah, unlike his great-grandfather, <laughs> Edward James, almost. <laughs> yeah. And what's great is that they're continuing the tradition of it being a multiracial, very, vari- ethnically various movie. You've got, of course, a white person, a black person, an Asian person, a Latina, 
a Martian, a Venusian, one of those sentient octopuses from those thermal vents that they discovered a few years ago. There's a robot. There's a black robot. There's an Asian robot. There's a Latina robot. There's that one Indian robot. And there's that American Indian robot. And then, of course, there's the space jellyfish that they found in that thermal vent up on Mars. I like that they cast as the uh, bad guy the, uh, the, the new version of Hector Elizondo, Hector Elizondro, the Komodo dragon version of Hector Elizondo. Yeah, and uh, you really were ahead of the curve. I was ahead ago. of the curve. I predicted that years ago. And I don't know how many times I've apologized to you now, but I apologize that I ever made fun of it. You were just ahead of your time. Much like, say, Ishtar was ahead of its time in some ways and yet widely reviled. Now, of course, Ishtar has been did recognized ever, as a great masterwork and is the subject of several religions. Yeah, did we ever review ishtar on this show it's so hard to remember that was so long it ago seems so silly right it would be weird because it's like we would probably have not much to say and what we would say would sound like gibberish yeah especially since nobody speaks the language we spoke back then mm-hmm. english now it's all interlac <laughs> which of course you can understand because you have that yeah you're a modern person living in the modern time. Living in the modern, living in the... Dealing with modern problems. Living in the enormous Dyson sphere that Earth has become. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. going out and spending your space bucks on whatever space <laughs> things you want. Uh, yeah, it's weird that there's a competing credit currencies, credits, and space bucks. <laughs> well, and the conversion rate is very different. But it's better in the end than when... Uh, than, uh, when the whole country briefly went on digital currencies. Oh, we all remember that. That was terrible. Yeah, yeah, where we would have to trade Digimons for things. <laughs> it was like ten Digimons equals one Pokebuck. That's mm-hmm. crazy, right? That was crazy. Can you imagine that? And everyone had to carry around wallets of Digimons, and it was just like it big gave me sacks. A headache, right? Nuts. Ugh. Forget about it. But that was cra- that was at least uh, who Remember knows all those ads right? advertising for Tamagotchi for gold. Remember those? Yeah, yeah. That they take Tamagotchi, and I mean. They would just dissect the Tamagotchis and take those little livers out. <laughs> That's right. Put them into monkeys to make mm-hmm. cyber monkeys. There are all those Tamagotchis who would wake up in in Mexico. <laughs> in baths of ice. In baths of ice. Yep, and they would go to the go into the bathroom and they look in the mirror and it would say, Welcome to the wide world of Tamagotchi AIDS. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so many urban legends were, were put into that one. So many urban legends. <laughs> Uh, well, Dan, well, I guess... Have you ever heard about suburban legends, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> Oof, even future Dan is doing the bad job. <laughs> and by future Dan, you mean, of course, the present, <laughs> present Dan. Dan. <laughs> uh, well, guys, we've had a lot of fun talking about Fast 10, your seatbelts, the 10th Fast and the Furious reboot. But looking at my watch, I see it's about time for the scheduled nuclear war to take place. Up. Oh, and I think I can hear the whistling of the warheads, so we should probably sign off for mm. this episode of the the Flophouse uh, present. All right, <laughs> and for yeah, I was going to say for, future, but of course that would be crazy. For the podcast, I've been Space Dan McCoy. I'm still that future Stuart Wellington, and I'm the brain in a jar that was once Elliot Kalen with his consciousness uploaded to Skynet. Good night, everyone. Your writing spills a lot. Look at that spilling water on his paper. Yeah. Check out this guy. You got a drinking problem? Mr. Spills. (laughs) My drinking problem is that (laughs) I'm unable to drink things. (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, Call me Crosby, Spills, Nash, and Young. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, of course, Steven Spills. (laughs)
Uh, all right. Got some good bloop fodder there, Dan. Yeah, got some bloop. Extra, yeah. extra. David Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling like it right now with all this heat. <laughs> so hot out. Dan, start the episode. We're melting. Okay. On this episode, we discuss. I'll try that again. Yeah, say it properly, maybe. <laughs> no, it was great. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.